Welcome to Leadership in the Digital Age with Professor Vijay Gurbakzani, Director of the Center for Digital Transformation at the Paul Mirage School of Business at UC Irvine. Join us for thought-provoking conversations with executives on the forefront of digital transformation. Welcome, Linda. Thank you for joining us today. Great to be here, Vijay. Thank you. Give us a feel for United Airlines. Yeah. Well, yeah, there is a little bit of a before and after to COVID. Uh, as much as I don't like to talk about it, it's pretty real. Uh, you know, um, before COVID, we were flying 4,500 flights per day. Um, a year ago, we had nearly 500,000 passengers fly us uh, per day um, to over 360 different locations. So we're an international airline. Um, things are a little different now. Uh, we actually announced our third quarter earnings last night, and um, we announced a $1.8 billion loss. You never want to hear that. Um, our capacity is down 70%, and our passenger revenue is down 84%. So it is not only breathtaking in the change, but it is breathtaking in just how fast it happened and how hard we have had to pivot. First into, frankly, survivor mode. Um, when you have more customers by, by a lot that are asking for refunds than are booking new tickets um, and, you're, and you're still trying to fly a schedule, it becomes a pretty uh, existential threat. And so you know, we spent a lot of time really battening down the hatches, focusing on liquidity, raising cash, just hunker down as some of the folks have talked about, you know, waiting like everyone for this uh, pandemic, not only to go by, but that there, there's a vaccine and people come back to flying. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's got to be one of the, you know, it's clearly one of the most effective industries. I suspect retail is another one. And it's sort of interesting that even though we didn't make much progress in terms of the government, but the fact that they were actually considering airline a, a, a relief bill just for the airlines alone speaks to the importance of the sector as part of our essential infrastructure. Um, and, you know, obviously it's a hugely com complex logistics business and you actually have humans that you carry as opposed to most logistics companies. You also have cargo, of course. Talk to us about the role of the chief digital officer and how important digital is uh, at a company at a company like United at United yeah yeah well um, you know I've got a, a, a fairly broad mandate so I uh, you know support and lead all of the critical technology functions whether that's scheduling the airline the crews that fly the flights um, passenger reservations and managing that. Um, our website, our digital, um, all of our digital channels, cybersecurity, of course. Um, but I also actually have the, the digital strategy side for our channels, our digital products and analytics team as well. So, um, you know, a little bit broader, the, the, the digital channels, it's not just the technology delivery, but the strategy and the product, product roadmaps as well. Yeah, and I've got to believe, you know, given... You know, I grew up in an operations research PhD program, and I switched yeah. to information systems. And so if you understand the role of algorithms and software, I mean, that's been the story for, for the longest time. And then, um, you know, when something like the pandemic hits, all the, if you were to interpret what you just said in terms of the reduction in volumes, and then clearly you have to adjust routes, and all of a sudden you have a massive operations research problem. Uh, that you have to optimize. And I'm sure, you know, obviously you have to cut flights and, and reschedule crews and uh, so on. 
So you, your organization, I guess, is central to all of that. Yeah, um, you know, little known fact, I've got an industrial engineering degree too. So I was uh, dusting off all of that OR stuff as well. Um, but yeah, so I mean, on the way down, as we were trying to conserve cash, and just to give you a, a feel for just how hard and fast we fell, there was a Tuesday in April that we flew less than 10,000 passengers. Um, we have 14,000 pilots to give you just a ratio of how that works. So really profound, quick change to that. And so um, we are an essential service. We are grateful to the um, to the government for the CARES Act funding. Um, it allowed us to keep people um, on the payroll. It also required us to fly to all the places we were flying pre-pandemic. So that meant a lot of planes were flying with very, very few people on it. Um, as we were trying to manage through all of that, we were starting already to think about what is the most efficient way to do that? How do you maybe start with a smaller aircraft and if you have people that are flying, move up to it. But all the while, we're working on something that had just, you know, was not a pre-pandemic idea, which was a super focused on cleanliness and safety. So you see in that video, the touchless kiosks that we uh, now have out in all of our airports, that wasn't even a glint in anybody's eye in February, yet by May we had it rolled out. And so we had to pivot very quickly to what our customers were looking for um, and trying to understand. Yeah, two things, you know, one is that statistic that you just mentioned of having more pilots than passengers really drives the point home, right? When, mm -hmm. Especially for a high volume business. Definitely, right? yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully we will all get past it. And I just look at my own sort of life. I was probably on, you know, I'm a million plus miler on United and I used to fly probably at least twice a month and I haven't flown since March. Um, yeah. So I'm those people uh, who's not flying, actually not flying anybody. Um, but one of the things in the video, which I think didn't jump out because I read it more than I saw it. So there's people with apps and we can go touchless uh, pretty easily. There's some touch, of course. And I think you were alluding to the fact, uh, or at least I read it, that you've actually even built touchless for uh, through QR codes for passengers who don't have the app. Yeah. Well, there's also another shift that's happened. And so when those 9,000 people were flying in April, they were truly essential workers. Many of them were medical workers flying from the West Coast to the East Coast to support where the, where the, uh, the virus was uh, most uh, critical. Um, what we've seen a shift to now is what we call visiting friends and relatives traffic. These are people that are probably that are going for longer periods of time. Um, they're probably visiting relatives because, frankly, there isn't anything else to do in most places. A lot of leisure destinations are closed. Businesses are certainly closed. I mean, our business traffic is down 85 percent to give you a feel. It's 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 all leisure. And so those people tend to be occasional, you, you know, occasional flyers or not loyal flyers, which means they probably don't have the app. And so we really focused on how can we get that experience for them? And yeah, we've got a resurgence. The QR code is back. And yeah. so we're having people scan that and be able to, um, to use it in the airports. And we're looking uh, very soon to make changes to our, our United app to make that guest experience, that occasional user, have a, a more close to the same experience as someone who's logged in. Yeah, you know, in my opening remarks, I actually spoke about your acceleration of efforts towards where the, the current customers are, which are these leisure travelers. Um, so 
talk us through sort of, this is back it up to a strategy level for a minute or two. So when you think about the airline business, what are the success factors for United? Because from a passenger perspective, you know, the frequent flyer programs, obviously one of them, but you know, uh, everybody's offering sort of similar uh, offerings. Um, I, I agree with that. You know, I mean, we fly fundamentally the same kinds of airplanes. They're either made from Boeing or by Airbus. We fly to fundamentally the same places. And so you have to have a differentiation. And so we think about it in two ways. First and foremost, it's our employees. It's those frontline employees that you as a customer are seeing every day in the lobby, on the, on the, air, on the airplane, in the airports, and the ones you don't see that are managing your bags and all of that. The second is technology and how we can actually use technology to reduce friction and reduce all that stress there is to flying in these days. And so, and there's a nice intersection between them um, where we want to give information to our employees so that they can provide great service. An example of that is uh, what we're doing with our flight attendants. Everybody sees that they have iPhones. Uh, they usually see it when they're ordering a meal. Um, but the, the flight attendants actually now have a lot of information about you, what your premier status is, what your experience on your last five flights were. If you're an accelerating customer, maybe someone who's been gone for a long time is now back. Providing that information to the flight attendant then nows them allows them to create that personal experience with you, the customer. Yeah, and one of the things I noticed was, you know, when I got stuck in Denver and Chicago and I had to be rebooked, and then it was a race to the red carpet club so you can dodge the lines at the airport. But now I get off a plane and I find that I already have you guys have rebooked me onto. Uh, another flight uh, saves an en enormous amount of stress. Um, yeah. yeah. How that, those kinds of, how those applications were built and sort of there's a platform that you need that, that I believe you now own to make all of this uh, happen. So the reservation. So yeah, you know, um, it probably is an interesting pivot that's happened over time, probably in a lot of uh, technology shops and in other industries. But in 1992, United Airlines, or actually it was Continental at the time, um, outsourced their core reservation system. And the idea was, let's just figure out how cheap we can run it. And yeah. quickly we realized that it actually is a strategic asset and it's not how cheap you can run it. It's how quick you can respond to changes and how you can make those changes in a rapid way. Um, I am really proud of, uh, of the team of uh, technology professionals that I lead. They embed themselves with the rest of the airline. And they're in there experimenting, innovating. I might add, not on safety. We don't, we, don't, we don't experiment on safety. But pretty much anywhere else, we try things. Mm -hmm. And um, we are now, because we, we, have, we insourced that platform back to us last year, uh, we now have a lot more um, control and ownership and frankly, a lot less bureaucracy uh, to make those changes, to try something without a fully baked four-month project plan. Let's just try it and see what happens. And so much of what we do, we leverage our scale. One of the things, in addition to rebooking, we have something called Connection Saver. And Connection Saver is just like it sounds. You are landing late into a, into a hub airport because of a weather delay, and you realize that your next flight uh, which might be the last flight of the lay is leaving in six minutes, you know, uh, in another part of the of the terminal. 
Um, we know that too. And in days gone by, we might've just took off, but we now use you know, really a pretty sophisticated um, network of data to make the decision about whether we should wait for you. Um, if there's other people on the plane that maybe have another connection and we create a big downline problem, we might not hold the plane for you. But we know the weather, we know all these things, and we can now make that hold. We started that in Denver, found some things, listened to our front line about what worked and didn't, and then rolled it to each of our, uh, our hub airports and now the whole network uh, in a way we couldn't do if we didn't own the platform. Yeah, and I think that's really powerful because, you know, one of the things, the story we've told for years is you really have to have some differentiating IP assets. So in this case, it's your operational yeah. platforms, including your customer platform. We've got some great questions from the audience. I'm going to ask you if you don't mind to ask them pretty quickly. Can you okay. talk? Can you talk about the changes in strategy that United undertook? So the idea is you charge custom, you know, you unbundle the off you for, for a long time, you pay extra for baggage, pay for your seat, but now you're moving to eliminating things like flight change fees. And so there's, there's a lot of yeah. pivoting going on. So can you speak to yeah. sort of your thinking there? Yeah, um, two-part question. On the first part, in terms of unbundling, we did that all with data. Every time um, we, we realized customers, whatever they say, they are price sensitive. And when there's a competitive airline who's flying the same route and has an unbundled product, we were losing customers because they were picking that, that cheaper fare, not understanding the bundle. So we had to unbundle to give customers the same choice. On change fees, you know, that's one that, frankly, we were talking about before the pandemic hit. Um, it's baggage fees. There is actually a cost to us in terms of the employees that move the, the bags, in terms of the fuel it takes to carry the bag. Change fees is one that it's pretty hard to find a good reason why it's there. Um, but our investors were pretty focused on it and saying you didn't want to have that, that uh, revenue evaporate. So we took advantage of the fact we didn't have any revenue anyway, and we blew it up. Okay. So good for customers. There is a little bit of a silver lining, I guess. Um, let's, let's ask you an optimistic question also from the audience. Pandemic aside, I wish we could all say that today. Um, yeah. Where do you see United Airlines 10 years from now? Oh, I think um, we are using this pandemic to accelerate and um, improve our airline actually faster than we did before. Um, we intend on coming out stronger and better and more customer friendly um, yeah. in the end. So technology will have a bigger feel. Um, our NPS scores, we're very focused on those and they're continuing to go up. But I think... Um, you know, the industry might have been a little late to the game, but certainly keeping customers happy and wanting to choose our airline is the key. And we're, we're laser focused on that even today. You know, that's the theme of this year's conference, accelerating through the turn. And so, you know, you're really talking about this is going to be a tough period for you, you know, until something resolves around the pandemic. Right. But this is the time, I think, what you're saying to invest in sort of the capability. Last question, this is 15 seconds. What, what are some of the things you are working on that we might, in the near term, that we might expect to see in the future? Yeah. Um, well, if you do travel and you are at O'Hare, go check out the high B20 gates, B20 through 24 or something like that, um, where we are really inventing the gate of the future. The gate of the future has a lot more technology. You know, why are people waiting in line uh, to talk to a gate agent when they have the app or QR code on their phone, as an example, um, so that we can actually drive a lot more technology to that experience. And if you still want to go wait in line or you still want to talk to a gate agent, they're certainly going to be there to help. But someone will give you a choice. 
You know, I think that's a really good point to close on the gate of the future, because I think that is sort of the whole surrounding ecosystem for flying. Thank you, Linda, for your time. We know how busy you must be during this pandemic, and I'm sure every day. But thank you, and congratulations again on the award. Uh, and we were delighted you could be here with us today. Thank you again. Thank you. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to Leadership in the Digital Age. We hope you will follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn at UCI underscore CDT or on our YouTube channel, UCI Center for Digital Transformation. Please be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to give us a review. Until next time.